Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Proudly sponsored by B. Braun, a world-leading provider of healthcare solutions. Hello, I'm Luke O'Neill and welcome to this week's Show Me The Science podcast. Now, this week, big news. They have completed the sequencing of the human genome. I bet you're wondering, what's the big hoo-ha about here? It really may sound like the start of a sci-fi movie or the distant future, but this new technology is already here and already changing lives. A stunning and controversial breakthrough in science has arrived, gene editing. Some fear the technology could be used to create designer babies. Imagine your doctor discovering that you have a life-threatening disease, but then telling you that there's no reason to panic because they can fix it simply by editing it out of your genes and DNA. Well, back in 2001, and I'm old enough to remember this, they announced that they had got the full sequence of the human genome. Now, what is this? This is all the DNA in your body. They can read off the DNA. And remember, the DNA is the recipe to make you. And they can do what's called sequencing of the DNA because DNA is effectively like a big, long recipe with all these letters and you can read it off. And that DNA then is the basis for what makes proteins in the body and you're made of all these proteins and it's called the genome. The word genome means the total content of DNA in an organism. So every organism has its own genome and we have the human genome. There's a viral genome, of course, with COVID-19, for example, and that's all the, the recipe for that particular virus, which is actually RNA, strangely, but it's the same kind of thing. So in other words, they said, we have now the recipe for life. But guess what? They hadn't completed it, and there was 15% missing. In other words, they knew they hadn't quite captured 15% of the recipe. Let's use the famous analogy, you're trying to bake a cake. On your marks, get set, bake. Yeah, yeah. I'm on to the cream cheese icing. Got the scalping down, mate. Measurements, preciseness, science. Uh, the recipe says sugar, eggs, flour. That's the genome. It's the instructions to make that cake. Well, we didn't have enough information to make the full cake and 15% was missing. But now they've managed to get this last 15%. And it's quite a big deal because now we have the entire recipe to make a human being. And um, it's interesting how, why it took so long to get that last 15%. It turns out that bits of the recipe were hard to access for various reasons and in fact they invented a brand new technology to get at this the bits that uh, couldn't be done originally it's called T2T CHM13 is the name of the technique and they were able to get in there and get this last bit of the recipe and now we have it but let's go back first of all because if, if, if people are old enough like me to remember when they announced this human genome it was a huge big fanfare Big press conferences were held. Tony Blair was there announcing it, you know, and all that kind of thing. It was fantastic. And Bill Clinton and it was a huge international collaboration. It took a huge amount of effort, by the way, because in 2001, 20 years ago, the technology was a little bit more clunky and it took a bit more effort anyway to get it. And it cost a lot of money, actually, at the time. But they announced it and they said, we now have this great recipe. It will teach us so much about life. And then, of course, very importantly, we learn all about genes, which is in the genome and whether those genes are different between people and then can we correct a genetic problem and cure all these diseases and learn lots of things. And they were even using words, phrases like the secret of life has now been solved and all that kind of thing. So as ever, 
when you get into the media with science there can be a bit of hype and overreach not that I do that by any means but but sometimes that overreach thing happens and all that understandable enthusiasm I guess because it was a huge big achievement but the trouble is they kind of oversold it slightly and said we'll now crack so many different diseases you know we'll have ways of of curing disease through gene therapy and all kinds of things we might be able to edit genes uh, they also spoke about a thing called personalised medicine now what that means is if I have my genome it'll be slightly different to yours where all our genomes are a tiny bit different uh, for various reasons we inherit bits from a mother bits from our father and those bits might be different between siblings and various things like that so so there's subtle differences between us all and of course if we can figure out if my genome is different to yours and if that difference might give me a risk of a disease you might be able to target the genes and, and affect that uh, disease and it's personalised because it's my genome that's different compared to yours and those treatments can then can be used you know and that is still the dream by the way and 20 years later uh, there's been a bit of progress but by God if you if you're at the press conference in 2001 you would have thought that within 20 years we'd have cracked all these different things and it hasn't quite happened yet although there is a, there is as I say progress in that direction but now that we have the full genome and now that we have all these extra technologies have been invented in that 20 years by the way we now can really begin to think about capitalising on all this progress and if we look at a couple of things for a minute um, so the idea of gene therapy was there uh, uh, 20 years ago and then the question would be can you modify genes say in a fertilised egg for instance you go in there and correct a damaged gene for instance and then the baby would be would, would, would have a, a gene that's been corrected and the baby wouldn't develop the disease that was the big hope and of course there was a danger there because gene editing ethical questions can you make designer babies that was the phrase that was used back then the great joke are you ready was uh, you know Gucci Gucci coo kind of thing because you can modify babies and design them in various ways that hasn't happened yet one notable exception was um, uh, in China a Chinese scientist did do some gene editing in an embryo this is the doctor who changed the future of the human race and let the world know on YouTube. He Jianghui stunned the scientific community with the claim he pushed the boundary no one else had. He says he genetically edited human embryos, not just for research but for implantation, leading to the world's first births of genetically altered humans, baby girls born in China from embryos designed to be resistant to HIV. And he's now in jail because, you see, we don't fully know how safe that would be. You might think you can target a single gene and correct it, but maybe other genes might be affected and then you might end up with all kinds of problems and it's still very experimental. What that scientist did actually was, we, we know there's a risk factor for uh, in a specific gene for having AIDS. HIV AIDS and we know there's a specific gene that's different in a certain number of people who, 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 uh, who resist AIDS in other words they've got a slightly different gene that protects them he changed that gene in that embryo to make sure that it wouldn't get AIDS and the baby was born now that obviously there was a good intention there in a way but the trouble is it was not fully proven to be a safe thing to do and so hence he ended up in jail because he'd broken the law basically no country's allowed to do gene editing in that way so in other words there, was, there were efforts to correct genes using this information but uh, but again at the moment that's still not possible and then of course the other thing that was happening was um, I think called genetic determinism can you find out what genes might give rise to certain traits in people uh, and of course there's now companies like 23andMe by the way which can look at your genome or bits of it and tell you all about your ancestry and who you're descended from that's a bit of fun that's a useful thing to do of course the disease part is a bit more serious and and, and the other problem actually became diseases aren't just genetic some are genetic in that if you do carry a broken version of a gene there's a huge 
possibility that you will develop a specific disease because of that gene being different. Cystic fibrosis is a great example. Huntington's disease is another. Uh, so there are examples where genetic differences do predict a disease developing in someone. But of course, the problem is most aren't like that. And the environment has to be part of this as well. So, so when the claim in 2001 was if we have the recipe, we have all the genes, we can cure all these diseases, again, that was a bit of an overreach. It wasn't said in so many words, but that's what people took from it uh, because we know the environmental influence is really important as well. And in fact, um, at that time then, they were talking about is it nature or nurture is the great phrase. In other words, if you end up with a certain disease, is it written in your genes? That's your nature. Or if you're nurtured in a certain way, which means the environment, will you then develop the disease? It turns out it's nature via nurture. So in other words, you may have certain genetic variants, uh, but they won't reveal themselves and cause disease, for example, unless you're in a specific environment. And we know this happens in cancer, for example. You have to have the chemicals in, say, cigarette smoke and the genetics to develop cancer. And, and, and you reveal that through the cigarette smoke acting on the genes, kind of, is one way to think of it. Uh, a really good way to explain that would be, which I've used actually, which I like, is let's say there's a gene for drumming. Now you're wondering, what does he mean by that? Well, let's say Ringo Starr, my favourite drummer, uh, had a gene that made him a great drummer, okay? And there was a gene in his body that made some protein that gave him rhythm or whatever it might be. Now, this is all speculation, there's no evidence for this. But let's say that's the case. You wouldn't reveal that in Ringo unless you gave him drumming lessons, you know? Well, no, I was born left-handed. Right. And my grandmother thought that was uh, not a good sign. And so she turned me right-handed. Mm -hmm. So I write right-handed. Anything else I do left-handed, uh, golf, whatever. Yeah. And uh, so I have a, a right-handed kit, but I lead with my left. And that is nature via nurture. So in other words, you could have the best genes ever for being a drummer. If nobody gives you a drum, it's not going to reveal that, is it? You know, uh, and teach you how to, how to play the drum. You know? And then that's the idea of nature via nurture. So in other words, genetics was never going to give us all the answers. And for most complex diseases, that's definitely the case. And from the genome now, they have used the information, though, to look for genes and diseases. And they have had progress in saying certain genes will give rise to disease. But then the environmental influence reveals that. If you, if you see what I mean. Uh, one good example is rheumatoid arthritis, a disease I've worked on over the years. Through the genome, they were able to find two particular genes being different in rheumatoid patients across CD, CDK4 and CDK6. And uh, these two genes, when they're different in rheumatoid patients, they increase the risk of developing rheumatoid. And the good part of that was there were drugs already there to block those two. They make the, those genes make things called kinases and there was inhibitors of them. And lo and behold, they're now being trialled in these patients. So you can imagine there could be a subset of rheumatoid patients in their genomes. Uh, we see a difference in CDK4 and CDK6 and that increases their risk of rheumatoid target those with medicines and you might stop that person getting rheumatoid arthritis and that's the kind of thing that's come out of the genome still, there's still no evidence of a success yet but still that's that's uh, that's one example of how the human genome is useful uh, another good example of rheumatoid actually is the biggest target in rheumatoid arthritis is a cytokine called TNF. Now, I've mentioned cytokines before. These are key immune system proteins that regulate the whole immune system and they can go out of control in diseases like rheumatoid, which is an autoimmune disease where the immune system begins to go crazy. You make too much TNF in rheumatoid and then that drives 
all the joint destruction actually TNF is a fantastic target in rheumatoid the main treatments for rheumatoid now block TNF because people are making too much of it why they're making too much we don't really know but they are and then you can now use a drug to limit TNF these drugs are called anti-TNF and there's loads of them they're, they're some of the biggest selling drugs actually and they really do slow down disease in people uh, they work in about 50% of people which is a big difference of course for those people because you're stopping that disease crippling you before the discovery of anti-TNF um, when I began my studies on it years ago uh, if you were diagnosed with rheumatoid there was a good chance it would progress and become really severe and you might end up in a wheelchair and there was lots of people really damaged by rheumatoid block TNF you slow the whole thing down in so many patients it's tremendous but guess what you'd never have seen that in the genome there is no genetic difference that we can tell at least in most rheumatoid patients involving that pathway there are some actually who have it but the majority don't so you wouldn't have discover that whole pathway through genomics and that just shows you again the challenge of all this but now let's move on to the 15 percent because i've made a big deal of it haven't i what's in these 15 percent this 15 percent well we knew we got about eight percent of it actually already through various old-fashioned methods i guess but now we have the full 15 percent um and we've added 200 million letters in the recipe have been added on which is great, you know. So 200 million we're, we're missing, basically, you know. And there's 3 billion in total, roughly. So therefore, we were missing 200 million. As I say, it's a bit like a recipe to make a cake and some of the letters in the recipe are missing and you couldn't make the full cake. And then the big question is, what is in that recipe? Well, as I said, and as we all know by now, I hope, what DNA does is it makes RNA and RNA makes proteins. And the proteins in your body do all kinds of things. They digest your food, they give you your height, they give you eye color, you know, your antibodies in your immune system and the cytokines, they're all proteins. So therefore, that's why we know the recipe instructs the body to make all these different types of proteins to make the organism. And we have all these proteins in our bodies, it's tremendous. So we've discovered 115 new proteins from this extra bit of recipe, which is tremendous. And we didn't know about those proteins before. And now, of course, they're looking at what those proteins do. Uh, now, by the way, we think at the moment they add the 115, we had 19,969 proteins already in the recipe, if you will. And now an extra 115. If you think about the 15%, some of it isn't for proteins, so it gets any more complicated, but we've added an extra 115 proteins to the over nearly 20,000 that we have already. So what that means is you are effectively a machine made of 20,000 proteins. And they're all different, remember, and they do all kinds of things. They're in your hair, they're in your nails, they're in your stomach for enzymes, they're in your immune system, they're all over your body. And all those proteins build you, basically. But remember the DNA, is the recipe to make those proteins and now we have these extra ones now of course they're very keen to look at what these proteins are and how you do that is you look at the protein itself and you try to predict using a computer what that protein might do based on its similarity to other proteins this is called homology is the word they use for this so let's say for instance you find a protein that looks like one that you know about already it's like a sibling if you will of another protein that might give you a clue as to what that protein might do and then very interestingly and this is probably the first example of what this is going to be useful for apart from having the, the parts list there's a very important and serious disease called Duchenne's muscular dystrophy and that is a genetic disease and they knew there were genes that were different and there's a particular gene for a protein called dystrophin uh, which is which is basically broken in people with that disease. And it's a very severe disease of children. It's very serious, you know. And they had some of the genetics of it. But guess what? One of the genes in the 115 
is linked to Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. Uh, a subtype of dystrophin is what we think it is, actually. So it's similar to the one that was known in the recipe already. It's another one, basically. But this one may be also part of why people, children, develop Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. So you can see immediately now that could be useful because now you might want to correct that as well somehow if we get to the point of having gene therapy. And remember, gene therapy is still a hugely laudable goal to have, that if we know a gene is broken and it's causing a disease, can we fix that gene using gene therapy? And again, um, there's been great advances in modifying genes anyway in the 20 years. A technique called CRISPR, strange name I know, but it's a very um, elaborate and, and accurate way. Now, unlike the Chinese approach necessarily, where they're worrying about various things, CRISPR will potentially be a way to correct broken genes and in fact two scientists Jennifer Doudna and Emmanuel Charpentier uh, they won the Nobel Prize for discovering CRISPR uh, because it's a really accurate way to correct broken genes. They won the prize for medicine and physiology, uh, Jennifer and Emmanuel. And it's great science that they found this technique in that 20 years. So in other words, we had the genome 20 years ago we found genes and diseases and then a new technology was discovered. That's how science works, isn't it? We need to invent new techniques as well to correct broken genes. And there's massive excitement around CRISPR at the moment. Many companies are using it to try to manipulate genes, in, obviously in a lab context, not in humans yet. Um, and that could well work to correct the genes in Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. And a couple of the gene therapies have been approved for very rare diseases. Uh, they're very expensive at the moment, but it's beginning. The whole promise of gene therapy is now really seen as a prospect. And even though 20 years ago they said it was all going to happen, uh, it is beginning to happen. And having this extra 15% then is extremely useful uh, in terms of, you know, obviously figuring out what might be broken between different genomes and different people. And then also, by the way, just having all the information could have all kinds of applications. And in fact, in my own work over the years, I used the human genome to find brand new immune genes. In other words, I could look into the genome, see what was there, and then uncover what proteins were there that could do for the immune system. And, and without the human genome, I couldn't have done that. So it has been extremely useful. We now have the full parts list, which is tremendous. And now we move forward as ever science never sleeps. So now it's a great prospect for the, the future. We may well be able to correct broken genes and to stop so many diseases happening. The very rare ones like Duchenne's, but also very common diseases with a genetic basis. Who knows? The dream might be that all this information would eventually be very yeah, useful for us in treating all these different diseases. So it's a good day then, in a sense, we now have the full parts list and now we can move forward into the future with optimism and maybe hopefully correct so many diseases that afflict so many people. So that's this week's story, the human genome. The full sequence is now there. Bit of a fanfare, great news indeed. And thanks very much for listening. And of course, my podcast can be downloaded every Thursday. It's a News Talk production and thank you very much. Show Me the Science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Proudly sponsored by B. Braun. Saluting our frontline heroes for their outstanding commitment to the health of the nation. 